It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 607 at WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia gardener, here to help you be more successful doing your gardening. And gosh knows with the warm weather we've had for the past couple of days, there's a lot of gardening that could be done, should be done, might could be done, could be avoided. If you have questions about what you could do or could avoid, either way, I can give you advice on what is the best way to have a little bit of success here and there, to get rid of a couple of weeds, get rid of a couple of limbs that you don't like on your tree. Which one should I take down? I can tell you that. And we can talk about what you should be doing at this time of year as well. 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take your question on the air. You talk for a moment to... Ashley Frasca, who's screening calls this morning, having not seen each other for three weeks in a row. We're now happily reunited as a team here, along with Jason Byers, who is keeping us on the air seemingly so far, and we're grateful for that as well. 404-8... Oh, and the other one, you can tweet. Now that I have Ashley together, we can do Twitter again. Go to Twitter, if you have a Twitter account, just hashtag your message, AskWalter, hashtag AskWalter. Walter, and actually we'll filter through those and read a few of them out this morning, and we will get those questions done as well. I know a lot of you right now are in bed, and a lot of you are not outside doing anything. Some, many of you are driving, frankly. I know what you're doing, because we talk to callers all the time and say, what are you doing right now, and get an idea of what's going on. If there's anything that I would like to do right now, it is probably to be back in bed, because yesterday... Err was the big gardening day, and my back and my legs and my arm is all saying, why aren't you back in bed? This would be a lot better place than standing in front of a microphone. But yesterday, what did we do? What did we not do? We trimmed Nandina. Nandina is a shrub that if you don't give it a, not a haircut exactly, but do a little trim and thin. Thin's the right word. If you don't thin your Nandina once every couple of years, and you get this real top-heavy shrub that's eight or ten feet tall, well, eight feet tall, and um, doesn't have any foliage down at the bottom. And the way you prune an andina properly is to take out the oldest of sort of brown, gnarly-looking trunks and take them down to about 12 inches, and then select a couple more and take them down to about eh, 18 inches, two feet, something like that, and leave the rest of them alone. And what you end up with then is a nice oval Nicely colored shrub that is shade tolerant, does very well. Um, gives you the red berries in the wintertime to use for holiday decorations. But you got to trim it or thin it, I guess, every couple of years to make it look right. So, okay, first job, let's thin some Nandina. Next job, let's go and get all the privet out of the backyard. There is a neighbor, it's two properties over, but I can see from my house, see from my backyard, his privet tree. And that thing is full of seeds. You know it's full of seeds. That's what privet does. It has seeds. And the birds, of course, have come and plopped those seeds down in my property, and the little privet bushes are a foot to three or four feet, maybe, tall. And so I want to get those out. So I pull the little ones and clip the other ones down close to the ground, hoping they won't re-sprout very much. 
and pull the privet out and put it out there. And then the most evil plant in the whole wide world, again, shed by birds, and that is Chinese holly. Chinese holly is the holly with the really, really stickery leaves, those stickery leaves that go right through thin gloves. You have to get real thick leather gloves to, to pick up those uh, uh, leaves and the branches that they're on. Man, oh man, oh man, we had a bunch of Chinese holly that had to come out of the backwoods where the birds had planted it. That came out, put that in the trash can so the garbage people can come by on Monday and pick it up. Don't envy them in the least. Uh, we moved bags of uh, planting soil around to fill my beds. I got some new beds that I re rejiggered and re rehabilitated last year, and so all those beds need to be filled up. Did we plant? Oh, yes, we planted something. I was just thinking, did we plant something? Oh, yes, we planted something. The black and blue salvia from the back beds, they go across the street to the front bed. I thought, well, maybe my neighbor Carl, maybe he needs a couple of shrubs here, and I have these extra hydrangeas. Let's lift them up out of the ground and move them over to Carl's bed in front of his house. What about, let's go to Gus's house and see what we can do over there. Oh, well, he's got uh, hydrangeas in the back that need pruning. Let's prune his hydrangeas. Let's prune the prune the uh, little bitty crepe myrtle over at the corner. Let's move some other stuff out of his yard. <sighs> By the end of the day, I was tired. I'm exhausted just, just listening, listening to, to you. Me. Just listening to me. I mean, quite frankly, Ashley, if I had not had my friend Cameron there to help, who's my young adult uh, friend, to do some work for me, obviously I couldn't do it myself because my back won't stand it. But picking up those big bags of soil stuff that Cameron picked up and moved around to my beds, whoa, was that a lifesaver. This was a really good week for maintenance, though. My yeah. husband and I were out doing things as well. The weather was good, and it was dry, so we pruned back Ligustrum from yeah. literally seven feet tall at the top of the driveway down to nothing and just dragging those big, heavy branches yep. down to the woods. I feel you. I was sore, too. And the Ligustrum, like hollies, it's not kin to hollies, but like holly, the Ligustrum will sprout back up again. And you'll be doing this in a couple of years saying, doggone, that's nine-foot-tall Ligustrum. You need to drag it down to the street again. Yeah, that's what it'll do. Mm-mm-mm-mm. A couple of other things that you could do. I didn't do yesterday, but I thought you could do. Uh, prune uh, roses right now. This is a great time to prune roses. All the knockout roses, reduce them by 50% and make a cut just above a bud that points outward, and you are good to go. You're golden. Even though some of the knockouts are already putting on yeah. new leaves and yeah. things like that, are they yeah. confused because it's been so warm? Well, they're not confused. They're responding perfectly normally and accurately to the weather. We've just had early warm weather, and that's what they're doing. And if you want to make a knockout rose look its best, it needs reducing in size, and it needs making the buds all point outward so you get better air circulation and don't get as much uh, black spot disease on the leaves. Yeah. And the other thing is to prune uh, ornamental grasses, the pampas grass and the uh, maiden grass and fountain grass and all those grasses. They're all brown and geeky looking right now. So you cut them down, cut them down flat, cut them down low and flat. That's my rule. Oh, it's exhausting. I need a rest. I need a, You know what I'm going to rest doing? I'm going to rest talking to my friend Nicole from Griffin, Georgia. Miss Nicole. Miss Arif. How you doing? Fine, fine. I did the same two, four days of gardening this oh, week. I mean, it was a perfect week to yeah. be outdoors. One day it rained. We had a little bit of rain at my house, and so that softened the soil, so it made it easier to dig, easier to move all these plants. I'm thankful for that, that's for sure. But it just seems like it wasn't an excuse not to do anything, so I didn't have any reason not to go out there to wear myself out. Well, it keeps us in shape, isn't it? 
That might keep some of us in shape. There's others of us who really, really, really like those chocolate-covered espresso beans that I get from Publix, which every every hour or so I'll go inside and think, you know, what do I need for a reward for doing what I just did outdoors? I give you a little handful of chocolate-covered espresso beans. Mmm, yum, 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 yum. Is your Nandina spread? Uh, Yeah. Oh, that's why I'm cutting it down so much, because the seeds, the birds, plant the seeds around the yard, so I have to cut those down. I replaced mine with uh, uh, firepower. And firepower doesn't have near as many no. seeds. No, not at all. It don't get as big to us. Yeah, tall, but yeah. I need some tall ones. I need the, the common ending, the one that gets about eight feet tall, because I need a screen between me okay. and the back neighbor uh, in his backyard. And so Nandina is about the only thing that'll do what I want it to do. And they change color in the wintertime. Yeah, they have that. They have the red berries, which led to my problem. But the red berries are certainly attractive. If I was smart, I would use them for the holidays and cut the rest of them off so the birds couldn't get them and plant them. Uh, this week I was um, going somewhere. I saw something in the street. I turned around and see what it was. I thought it was a cat. Yeah. But it was an otter. An otter? Get out of here. I couldn't believe it. I wake up the neighbor and I said, come and see that. <laughs> I know that neighbor was appreciating, appreciating seeing the otter in their pajamas. Uh, where did you see the otter, Nicole? Right in front of, on the, not too far from my house. So and he Griffin. was telling me that they need water because they eat fish. Yeah, of course, that's true. I've seen Disney nature stories about otters many times, and I can tell you conclusively that otters eat fish. Yes, they do. And he was surprised, too. He said, boy, he said, I didn't think otter would be, I don't know if it was lost or... Are the populations getting bigger here in Georgia? Yeah. Don't know. This would be around the time that young male otters and beavers and some of the other aquatic beings, uh, muskrats and things, do move around because they're looking for new territory. They want to breed with the females and set up a new family system. And so it's possible, I guess, the otter was up here from somewhere or down here from somewhere else. And we don't see many of them, but I can't discount that that's what you saw. Oh, beautiful fur. I know in Canada they uh, kill a lot of them for the fur because yeah. the fur is so uh, pure black. Yeah. And uh, they, don't, they don't have much teeth. So I'm thinking uh, that's all they eat is fish. Uh, fish, and let me think back to my Walt Disney show. I think they eat fish, they eat clams, mussels. Okay. Um, and what else is there around the seashore? That's all I remember seeing them eat was the clams and the mussels and the oysters and uh, fish. That they, Boy, you wouldn't uh, bother chicken and I don't cattle. think so, but I could be wrong on the chicken part. It seems to me somewhere in my head I've heard that otters would get into a chicken house if it, if it presented itself open. So, yeah, maybe well, so. Well, the neighbor that wake up has got chicken in the back, and you keep them on the light in wintertime. Yeah. I'm thinking, yeah, right in front of his house. Well, that maybe, neighbor, maybe they can report and tell you whether or not the otter got into his chicken or the other otter got into his chickens, maybe. Mm. Uh, 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 uh. Well, a beautiful animal, though. Yeah, beautiful thing. Well, you are a beautiful person, but it is a beautiful time to say i got to get out of here, but it is a beautiful conversation with the two of us. Thanks so much for calling, Nicole. Enjoy your day. Enjoy your day as well. We'll see you soon. It's 618. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB.
Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It's going to be cloudy, possibly rain this afternoon. High only in the 60s today. Tomorrow, much warmer, 72 degrees tomorrow. So plenty of good gardening weather left out there. So plan your day and your weekend accordingly. The full weekend forecast goes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And our good friend Gene in Bremen joins us. Hey, Gene. Good morning. Good morning. How can I help? Uh... Well, I've cut all my monkeys, striped monkey grass, down to the ground. Good. And, but last year it got really raunchy, and it was still <laughs> this way when I cut it down. Big old brown spot. Oh, yeah, sure. And my rose bushes got this stuff. And I used that 3-in-1 and Fongonex, but it didn't seem to help or it had done got too big or start when I started it. Yeah. Are they something that I can start now spraying and hip it? You are so smart, Gene. That's exactly right. The warm weather that we had this spring, early warm weather, has caused, as you know, roses are popping out leaves. And my friend Cameron that I was doing my work with yesterday, I passed a rose and I said, oh man, Cameron, I'm already late to be putting fungicide on my rose because I see the black spots all over the leaves. I didn't need to do that last week, probably. And so you could use, you could change to another product. Inf- Pike has a stuff called Infuse that works real well against most spots. So Infuse is, a, is another possibility to use on the roses as well as on the uh, Lirio, because you're right. Lirio, the striped Lirio seems to get it much worse than the solid green Lirio. But those big, ugly brown spots yeah. will make it look ragged and raunchy, as you say. Nasty-looking thing. And sometimes just mowing it down, doing what you did, mowing it down, trying to rake out all those leaves and letting it regrow will be enough, depending on weather, for you to keep the fungus at bay. And sometimes you need to spray. So if you're planning on spraying the roses, probably I'd spray the leery oak, too. Well, can you use the same stuff on both of them? Yeah, you sure can. And can I start now? I would, certainly on the roses, and I think you would be well advised to start on the uh, start on the Lirio too. Sure. Okay. Okay, thanks a bunch. Give it a, you know, let, if the rain is predicted, Gene, and it says it's going to rain this afternoon and stop uh, in the mid-afternoon, I would wait until after the rain has passed and then uh-huh. put the spray on so it's not washed off. Okay. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you for calling. 404-872-0750 gets you in this morning. We only have two seconds, so we can't take another call. But in the next half hour, we'll have Kim. Kim has a smart idea. They want to see if you can drill fertilizer in next year daffodils. Can you do that? Yeah, we'll have a little discussion with Kim and find out whether you can do that or not. Carl in Atlanta says a Japanese maple and the landscaper cut off the lower branches. Now what is he going to do? Mm, if you got a problem, a conundrum, a speculation that needs confirmation, you can call me, 404-872-0750. All garden questions answered while you wait, right here on News Talk WSB. Back after news. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. 
It's 635. Six, oh, it's not 50 degrees this morning in News Talk WSB. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia gardener, and I can give you some advice on everything you need to know about being in your garden or what needs to be done outdoors. Let's go to the phones. We've got lots of good questions. Kim, hey, Kim, join us on Lawn and Garden. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, I've got a really very nice cordless drill for Christmas. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, you know, great, that'd be, this would be great out in the yard for <laughs> things like my daffodils. Um, I'd like to just kind of help the um, bone meal get in a little faster mm-hmm. to them. Can I take, a, like, maybe a half-inch drill bit yeah. and just drill around them, you know, not into the bulb, and then sprinkle some of the bone meal into the little holes? Would that help? I've just got to say, Kim, you're a woman after my own heart. If I were were not already spoken for, I would say, let's take that drill and go drill some daffodils. That'd be fine. (laughs) Um, Yes, you can. I see nothing wrong with what you're proposing. I can even give you a slight improvement, which would be to get a small-size kitchen funnel and a piece of plastic tubing and tape the funnel to the top of the tube, and once you drill the hole, stick the tube down in the hole and put your your, uh, bone meal in there, so shake it down in there deep. And just bone meal would be okay, right? I don't see why that wouldn't work fine, or some of the nice uh, E.B. Stone bone uh, fertilizer, or bulb fertilizer that they have over at the Pike at Toco Hill. Uh, Just something like that would be awesome. Yeah, E.B. Stone sounds great. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, then that's probably what I'm going to do tomorrow or Monday when I'm off. Yeah, and they won't be picking up yard stuff Monday because it's yep, holiday. Yeah, it's President's Day. I will tell you one more thing that I think will help as well for the daffodils. Do your fertilization before now because oh. they actually will do more of their root expansion and foliage making um, back in, well, whenever they start poking up out of the ground, honestly. Some years uh-huh. it's in December, some in January. But when you first see those little two or three inch pokes little up little from top. the ground, that's the time to get that drill out there and charge it up good <laughs> and put the bone meal next to the okay. bulb because then they make more offsets and that gives you a bigger clump and more flowers. And there you go. Good to know. Yeah. I was, I was, just one quick story, I was driving down the street yesterday, taking Cameron home, and I saw my neighbor Kathy, and she was carefully picking the daffodils that I planted up next to the corner of my street, and I planted them there five, six, seven years ago now with the exact premise that neighbors would be able to come by and pick them, and there was my neighbor coming by and picking my daffodils, and I stopped and said, Kathy, you're doing exactly what I planted these for. And I'm hopeful, Kim, that you'll plant some near the street that passers-by can pick some of your daffodils, well, too. Well, we have an area that is actually some, um, I don't know if it's state or county property, and I have, over the years, I've been adding daffodils yeah. in there, and yeah. it's not close enough to reach with my corded drill, and that's why I'm thinking of mm-hmm. taking my And it's it's just so when people drive by, they'll see them, and it's... It's just a nice little thing in my neighborhood. You bet. Make Toco Hill prettier for all of us. Thanks for calling, Kim. Great job. Bye. We'll see you soon. We've got uh, Carl on the line. Carl, join us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, man. Walter, I appreciate you taking the call. Sure, Carl. How can Uh, we help? I have or had a really beautiful Japanese maple tree that had uh, the, the leaves and so forth would like cascade down to the ground. Now, it's not one of those waterfall varieties. I tried mm-hmm. to find out what exactly what it was and couldn't find it, but it's got a seedling from a neighboring buckhead that looked really, really good. And right. 
planted a long time ago, and it's never been molested until I had a wayward uh, landscape mow and blow guy come by and decided one day when I wasn't here that he needed more clearance for a mower to go by. Uh, okay. Yeah, he chewed out pretty much the lower half of the tree. Um and I was never so more angry in my life because yeah. I used to really get a lot out of just watching that tree. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so it's it's about uh, ten feet tall or so now, or no, maybe not quite that tall. But anyway, I've always had it in the back of my mind if if I could, since it's been cut the way it was cut with the lower limbs, uh, and there are just a, a few feet of lower limbs still left, about three or four of them. If I prune the upper part gingerly to allow sun to get to the lower part, if that yeah. could possibly be brought back, or is that stupid? It's not. It's not stupid because it's the kind of thing you immediately think. Man, if I cut off the top, it stimulates the bottom. It doesn't work that way. No, you won't get much regrowth down at the bottom. Okay. When you have a pruning, what they, the scientists call it the pruning response, and all that really means is if you cut off a limb, you're not only cutting off the physical limb and leaves and everything, but the real important part that we never think about at all are the little buds on the tips of the branches, because those buds are where lots of hormones are produced, and as they go back and forth in the sap system of the tree, it determines how other parts of the tree behave. And sadly, those hormones are only, in a, in a pruning response, are only active in the first 10 to 12 maybe inches below where you made the cut. So you can prune at the top of the tree all you want to, but the pruning response is going to be limited to 10 or 12 inches around that pruning cut, not four feet down on the trunk. That's not the way right. it happens. Well, what few lower limbs I had left, I was looking at it, and there was a few little, obviously dead parts I was going to cut away and try yeah. to find some little bud someplace to cut close to. Yeah. To do exactly what you're talking about. How okay. close to a bud like that should you come? Just clip the bud off, and then anything below that point, right, you know, right where the bud came off is where the stimulation will happen. The hormones were that it was expecting to have won't be there, and so it'll send out a bud to send out to to produce new hormones. That's yep. what the tree wants to do. Are you talking about the bud like I'm thinking of that's just right on the bark of the limb? Right on the tip of the branch is where the hormone-producing bud is. I see. So how many inches? Uh, within I, Most of the time I say four to six. For maple, I think it's a little further than that, maybe 10 to 12, mm -hmm. and that's about as far back as the so hormone I'm, I just goes. definitely getting the, what appears to be old and dead and not doing anything out of the way and see what yeah. happens, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what to do. Well, great. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Walter. Sorry about the situation, Carl. Right. That happens. Yeah, it happens. People are out there. You can't do anything about them. <laughs> be, be there when the inexperienced landscaper comes around. That's exactly uh, right. Well, he, he was not, not following his boss's direction, apparently, uh, so that was part of the problem. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, thanks for calling, Thank Carl. You. Have a great weekend. You bet. We'll see you soon. we got Bob out in Cumming, Georgia, in Forsyth County. Hey, Bob. Morning. Good morning, Walter. Thank you for taking my call. What you got? I have a 5,000-square-foot uh, Bermuda lawn, and it's uh, suffered as so many did last year with the drought. Yeah. I have compacted soil. Some areas are nice. Some areas are very hard. You can see the difference in the color of the soil. So I lost a lot of places in the in the yard. Right. Uh, I went and bought a, uh, and I do keep up all my fertilization. I went out and bought a plug aerator, uh, a tow behind, uh -huh. and uh, did that in the fall. 
And now I want to uh, amend the soil this year, and I know I've listened to you before how hard that is with existing lawns, but I went to a landscape supplier and they said that uh, I should use a mixture of 75% river sand and 25% compost, Mm -hmm. put it down to about a half inch and use about 450 square feet for a ton. And I wondered what you thought about that coming up in the spring. I think it's a great idea as far as aerating. I think it's a great idea as far as using your uh, mixture of sand and compost. That's a good, good, uh, what do they call it? Good fill, good uh, compost mixture to mix in with the soil. And in particular, the thing to remember, and I hope that you will pass this on and say that Walter said this, Bob, but one of the things that we're going to be faced with this spring is how poorly Bermuda lawns were prepared for winter this past year and how much that's going to affect the way the Bermuda greens up in the spring. It's going to be really interesting to see because with all that drought that we had, there was just never a time that Bermuda grass could absorb the nutrients and store them that it needs for proper spring green up. And the only way to help it along this spring, having had all that drought, is to do what you're trying to do, which is to put some compost, some fertility, in other words, on the soil, mix it in with the soil, do your aeration so that you have places for air to get down close to the roots where they can spread more quickly. My bet would be that the green up of the Bermuda grass is going to be slower this coming spring than it's ever been before. It may be mid to late April before anything much is happening. And um, your aeration, if you want to time the aeration and the mixing of this uh, stuff, it should be about two weeks before you think it's going to be pretty well greened up. It'll help it to green up, in other words, by doing the aeration and the mixing and the compost two weeks beforehand. So I'm thinking the scheme for you would be the 1st to the 15th of April is when I would do your big job. Um, Should I – two things. One, can I – does it make any sense to do – can you overseed when you use that sort of a mixture? Should I overseed? And number two, uh, because I have compacted soil, should I rake the plugs away or should I just let them do their thing? And you want to overseed with more Bermuda seed? Should I? Yes. Is that what your question? Yeah. Yeah. Uh Sometimes people say overseeding and referring to putting ryegrass out in the winter, and I just wanted to clarify that. Yes, 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 you can overseed. Although, the best time to plant Bermuda seed is really going to be mid-May, and so that's a little bit after the job you're doing now. Okay. All right, here's what I would do. I would do your aerification, spread of compost, and do that first couple of weeks in April. Wait until May when the grass is nice and green. It's coming up first, coming up real nice and, and uh, green. And then scatter seed then and do a, just a heavy raking. To, there'll still be some compost. There'll be some plugs from your aerator. will be scattered around the lawn. And so put your seed down and then do a raking then, which will cover the seed and give it real good seed-to-soil contact so that it germinates real nicely in mid-May. Yeah, you can do uh, that. Okay, so about do the seeding about four weeks after you do the aeration exactly. and compost. Yeah, you want the soil really, really, really warm, and that's the key to look for is really warm soil. Wonderful. Sounds like a plan. I appreciate your time. Man, Bob, you have given me the opportunity to really talk about a lot of important things, and you'll hear me repeat just what I've said about Bermuda lawns and their reaction to the drought of last year, what we need to do, and you'll hear that several times this spring, and you can say, I was the first one that Walter told about the aeration of the lawn. (laughs) You demand, Bob.
I'll be sure to do that. Thank you. Thanks for calling. At 647, we'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves for the lawn and garden advice you need. I want to it with you. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. 49.4 degrees outside right now, going over to the and low 60s this afternoon because of the clouds. Chance of rain some of today. You may get a chance of a shower here and there. No storms really in the forecast today. Tomorrow going to be warmer, 70, 72, something like that. Sunny most of the day tomorrow and no rain in the forecast then. So lots of gardening things can get done this weekend, your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Brent is out in LJ and joins us on Lonnie Garden. Hey, Brent. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. What can I do for you, Brent? I have some garden soil left over that I didn't use on my garden last summer. Yeah. And it says that it has fertilizer in it that's supposed to last for 90 days. With it setting for a year, is that fertilizer still going to be useful, or do I need to add fertilizer? Most of it will still be useful. There may be a little decomposition in there, because if you if you said, I've got a, a bag or a box of just regular old fertilizer, 10-10-10 or miracle Grow or something like that, it doesn't deteriorate very fast at all. And so that would be pretty much all still available for you to use. In soil, though, even though it might say something like sterile soil or something like that, there's still microorganisms and fungi in that soil you bought, and they will spend a little bit of their time breaking down the fertilizer that's in the soil. So I would think you have maybe 2 or 3% less than you did when you bought the bag last year, but it's not terribly much. It's not all gone. Okay, great. If I... Is it okay if I just mix it with the soil right where I plant the tomato plants, or do I need to put it over the whole garden? You know, a lot of the time I mix it in right there with the soil where I plant my tomato. I want that fertilizer to help my tomato, not help the weeds in the in the paths in my garden. So, yeah, I put uh, put the gardening soil usually right in the area where I'm planting the tomato. I amend right there, plant the tomato in the middle, and say, look out, world, here it comes. Super. Thank you very much. Super duper. Get it done. All right. Thanks for calling there, Brent. 404-872-0750. Get you in. Take Brent's slot right here on my screener screen. In the next half hour, we'll talk to Betsy and Marietta. She wants to, has already taken the hollies back by one third, removes all those leaves. Now what? Is that holly going to recover or not? I think was listening to our conversation about all the hormones that were being formed in the buds of the leaves. And Barbara in Roswell also says uh, the tree roots are above ground with her Burford holly. And can she cut? Can she cover? What should she do? We'll figure that out together as well. You can join us again, 404-872-0750. Or you can Twitter to me if you have a Twitter account, hashtag AskWalter. And Ashley will have a couple of questions in the next hour from Twitter. And we'll get those questioned and answered and basically taken care of. You're listening to the Lawn and Garden Show. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener. We'll be back after news. Channels are about to fry, the fruit again is high, to keep you satisfied. To love I now exist, is the law I can't resist, so time.
tanpa masalah.